Money as warfare. Everybody say money, money. As, warfare. as warfare. Are you ready for this? You guys ready for this? All right, let's go. So Luke chapter 16, verse 9 through 13. Jesus is such a good preacher, isn't he, guys? I mean, he gives us some things that we really have to think about, that we really have to pray through to understand what he means by it. And this is one of those sermons. Verse 9 says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. I'm already like, what? How about you guys? So that when it fails, how many of you know that unrighteous wealth will always fail you? Four people. Okay. At some point, we're going to get there today. So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Everybody say heaven. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Now, if you're like me, I'm reading this and I'm hearing Jesus talk about unrighteous wealth. And I'm like, Lord, if you'd just give me some of that unrighteous wealth, I'd do some good stuff with it. You ever, you ever read the Bible like that or think about money like that? Man, if I could just get some of that unrighteous wealth, right? But Jesus is actually calling us out. He's saying, oh, you think that, but no, you wouldn't. Because if you can't be faithful and steward the little properly, then you're not ready to inherit the much and steward the much properly. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Everybody say Stewardship. I believe with all my heart that God is glad to give the resources of this world to Christian people. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that God wants to reward the righteous with resource. But I think those that carry it are not going to be those that have their hearts anchored in the resource. But they have their hearts anchored in heaven And they're able to steward with the Holy Spirit the blessing that God pours out on them. Would you guys agree with this so far? So let's continue to read Jesus' message. And he says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? How many of you guys want true riches? Come on. How many of you guys want true riches, right? Yeah, come on. Let's go. It's okay. And if you have not been faithful in that which is, a, which is another's, everybody say stewardship. stewardship. How many of you guys pray for a new car, but then you drive a rental car like an outlaw? <laughs> wow. How many of you guys ask for a new car, but won't clean the one you got? Nobody wants to say amen. Everybody's like, yeah. Who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God 
and money. This is an interesting sermon, isn't it, guys? Would you guys agree? It's a very interesting sermon. I love what Jesus says here. You cannot serve two masters, but I want you to know this, that the devil works very hard to confuse us that serving two masters is actually possible. See, his name, Satan, in the Greek is Diablos, which D is where we get the word die for division. It means two. It means separated. And so the enemy wants to work to convince us to think that we can actually serve cash while we're serving Christ. But Jesus says, actually, that's impossible because you'll love one and despise the other. You'll love one and hate the other. And so I'm setting the record straight today. If you want to walk with me, you better pick up your cross. And that cross includes your credit card. And that cross includes your checking account. And that cross includes your life insurance policy. And that... (laughs) Am I talking to millennials today? I know you guys are getting hit up right now for life insurance. It's our season. You cannot serve God and money. You know what that word money is? It's the word mammon. Everybody say mammon. So just take that, put it in your pocket. We'll get to that in a minute. We got to pray. Lord, we thank you for, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for revelation and how you're so faithful to speak to us about things that are important to you. God, we know that money is an important thing. It's a resource. It's important. It's necessary. It's needed. Lord, we thank you for blessing us with it, Lord. But we ask today that you would speak into our spirits how we should steward that for the assignment that you have placed upon our lives and and for the increase and the advance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Lord, all that we do, we really want to bring glory and honor to you. Don't we, church? We want to bring glory and honor to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. So we've been doing this whole series on warfare. Um, I I enjoy a good talk on warfare, but I really think that we we were led to have a non-traditional conversation about the topic of warfare. And so the first Sunday we talked about worship as warfare. How many of you guys know that your worship is your weapon? Right? How many of you guys know that you are not supposed to allow your circumstance to determine your worship? You're supposed to allow your worship to determine your circumstance. Some people stop worshiping when they're panicking. That's when you should start worshiping. Because you're not informing God of the size of your problem. You're informing your problem on the size of your God. I don't even need to pay attention to you. I'm going to church. I don't even need to be distracted by you. I'm going to worship. I don't have to worry about my anxiety. I'm about to sing a song to the Lord. <laughs> you guys, is this helping you yet? Well, I'm excited if you haven't, if you haven't been able to tell. But we, uh, in January, we said, this is the year of the level up. Play that Sierra track. This is the year of the level up. Would you guys receive that with me? This is the year of the level up. And, and we've been proclaiming that. It's a prophetic proclamation uh, over our year. But here's what I can guarantee. If you are going to level up this year, if you're going to advance, if God is going to pick up your tent pegs and stretch them out and give you more territory, here's the deal. You will not show up to your promised land to find it vacant. There's giants in the land. So you're going to have to get strong enough, stable enough, courageous enough, brave enough to be able to do some battle if you're going to inherit the promises that God has given to you. How many of you guys are ready to do some battle today? How many of you guys are ready to do some battle today? 
So we talked about worship as warfare. Then we talked about church as warfare. How many of you guys know that coming to church is an act of warfare? Coming to church is a declaration of war on isolation and loneliness. <laughs> I can't tell how you guys are doing today. Honestly, I'm just going for it. The third one, <laughs> the third one, what we do the third one? Character as warfare. Man, the preacher that shared that was hot. Um, I couldn't, I don't even remember the message. Yeah, I'll listen to the podcast when I can pull myself together. And so today we're going to talk about money as warfare. And then uh, next week we're going to do a bonus message. So I want all of you to come back. Say, I'll do that. I want all of you to come back. Next week I'm going to talk about forgiveness as warfare. All right? Some of you guys got some people that you need to forgive, okay? Uh, Some of us need to forgive God because we're offended at God. So this is your <laughs> this is your invitation to come back. <laughs> it's gonna be a good day today. I don't know. I'm feel I'm full. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. All right. I'm unapologetic about it. So if I don't get through this message, I don't care. <laughs> I spoke at School Supernatural Life this week. I'm still messed up from that. We had so much fun, y'all. I wish I could show you some videos. I don't have time. But I want to give you the definition of spiritual warfare that we've been using this month to talk about uh, this topic. And so if you don't mind, just go ahead and bring that up. I'll read it to you guys. Spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. God has defeated Satan and the war is over. Hallelujah. But spiritual warfare are battles between Satan and your connection with God. Like I said, it's a non-traditional approach on spiritual warfare, but I believe that if we could get clued into this, that the enemy has one goal for us, which is to separate us. Everybody say separation. That's the goal of spiritual warfare. Satan's agenda is to separate you. Number one, to separate you from your conversation and your connection with Jesus. Two, to separate you from your purpose, your calling, and your anointing. And to separate you from your family, your friends, and those who he's put in your life to fellowship with. Satan's agenda is to separate you. And there's subtleties in the separation. If it was a big thing, we'd see it coming. We'd call it out. We'd start rebuking demons. You know, we'd call our intercessors. We'd be throwing oil all over the place. You know, all those things that people do when they're in warfare. Some of you guys don't know about that. I grew up Pentecostal, so that was pretty normal for us. But there's subtleties. Subtleties in the separation, right? Anything, no matter how big or how small, that would cause you to take a step back from your connection with Jesus is warfare, and it must be overcome with aggression. I'm going to try this out. So anything, anything, big or small, that would cause you to take a step back from your connection to Jesus is warfare, and it must be overcome with aggression. You got to take it out. You got to say, nope, not listening to that lie. I'm going full on into Jesus. That's warfare. That's what the enemy's goal is, is to separate you. A.W. Tozer said, many Christians view this world as a playground rather than a battleground. How many of you guys know spiritual warfare is real? How many of you guys know spiritual warfare is unseen? How many of you guys know spiritual warfare is spiritual? 
You cannot wage a spiritual war with weapons of the flesh. It's not about shouting into the darkness, quoting scriptures that you don't really believe. Listen, hey, the enemy's not afraid of a word you don't believe. So you can shout scriptures into the storm all you want, and it's not going to stop the waves. When you believe it, you don't have to shout it. You just go to sleep. <laughs> Jesus just went to sleep. He said, oh, I see you, devil. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> I don't have time to worry about that. I'm going to get some rest. See, God will give you authority over any storm you can sleep in. I'm good. I'm just going to take a nap. I'm okay. I'm good because I know who's in control. Everybody say Jesus. And so one of the things that the enemy wants to do is he wants to use money against us even though God has designed money to be for us and to be for his kingdom. Do you guys agree with that? So I want to talk about money today as a weapon. I'm going to move fast, but I believe with all my heart that money is a weapon. All right? Now, I don't know how many of you guys have handled a weapon recently, but depending on whose hand the weapon is in will depend upon the effect that the weapon has. So it could either be a good effect or it could be a bad effect. It all depends upon the person that is stewarding the weapon. So the first thing I want to talk about is money as a weapon in your hands. Everybody say, my hands. Second thing I want to talk about is money as a weapon in the enemy's hands. And then the third thing I want to talk about is money in the hands of God. As a weapon in the hands of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 8 and 18 said this. I love this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Look at your neighbor and say, I got the power. Tell them, say, you got the power. You got the power. You got some power upon your life. And it doesn't matter what hell has to say about it. It doesn't matter if you try to talk yourself out of it. The reality is that God is so good that he has placed designated authority upon your life to be successful. I realize some people are afraid to say amen to that. They're like, well, I don't know. I don't really feel that way. Well, don't you have air in your lungs? Didn't you get up this morning? Aren't you alive? Don't you have strength to work? Don't you know that because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you have been anointed by power to do something great for God, which includes stewarding wealth. Jesus was very clear about it right here. That's part of your power. Say, that's part of my power. That's part of my power. And so money can be used as a weapon in our hands. Uh, I'm going to move through this real quick, but, you know, my dad has taught me since I was a kid. He said, you know, son, it, it, God will give it to you if God can get it through you. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of people want to give away lots of money. We've got to have open hands. You realize it's not my money. It's just a weapon God's given me to steward. I may have it temporarily. I may have it long term, but I know that I know this. I know what I'm going to do with it. Yes. I'm going to plunder hell. Come on. Yeah. I'm going to pillage hell. Come on. I'm going to bring souls into the kingdom of heaven. Yes. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give to missions. I'm going to do something with my finances that allow this to be a weapon in my hand to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's a tool for worship. Everybody say money, money. is a tool. For worship. Money is a tool for worship. Now, I'm going to come back at the end of the message and talk a little bit more about money in your hands as a weapon. But if we truly are going to steward money as a weapon in our hands, 
If we truly are going to take unrighteous wealth and steward it as a weapon for the kingdom of God, we've got to get two things clear first. Number one, before it's a weapon in our hands, we've got to understand that the enemy wants it to be a weapon in his hands. And it's not that it's a weapon for him as much as it is a wedge. Right? He wants to use money as a wedge to drive division between you and God. And he wants to use money as a wedge of division to drive between you and people. You guys agree with that? I remember uh, my dad's pastor told me one time, he said, you know, we pray yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, right? He said every argument in the kingdom is over one of those three things. Whose kingdom is it? Whose power is it? Who gets the credit for it? Who's in charge of it? Who ends up with the money at the end of it? But see, that's what we confess as we surrender and we say, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. That includes our money. Can I preach this the way God gave it to me? Is that okay? I don't want to offend you today. But the most sensitive nerve in a man's body runs right through his wallet. So when you start talking about money, people start to shrink back. But Jesus talked about money all the time. Did you guys know that? The enemy does not want you to hear those messages. Have you ever noticed this, that any topic in the Bible that contains a whole lot of breakthrough, the enemy tries to cover it with confusion? Have you guys noticed that? That what the church fights about most often are the very things that God has designated to bring about great breakthrough in his kingdom. And so everybody fights over it. Everybody's confused over it. Everybody shies away from the topic. Nobody wants to talk about it. People, uh, don't address me on that issue because I'm worried somebody might say the wrong thing. I've been taken advantage of in the past. I don't want to hear any more messages about money. That is the enemy working in and through your belief systems. I can promise you that because Jesus wants to talk to you about money because Jesus wants to be your money, your money to be a weapon for your, for your worship. Come on. Come on. So how many of you guys are open to hearing what God has to say? Money is a weapon. Money can be an, an, a weapon in my enemy's hands, but don't let the enemy confuse you. Money is something that God wants to talk to you guys about. If you believe that, just say amen. amen. So let's talk about money as a weapon in God's hands. And the reason why we're afraid to talk about money in church is the exact reason why we should want to talk about money in church. Yes. And, and it's this, because our character is connected to it. Yes. Let, let me say it like this. Your character is connected to your cash. Yes. Yes, if you want to know what my core values are, all you, all you got to do is look at my bank statement. Yep. It's yep. getting quiet in here now. <laughs> it's true, right? You, you just look at my bank statement because you'll see what's important to me by, by what I spend my money on. I was thinking about that this week. I said, if somebody looked at my bank statement, what would they come away with? What would they think my core values are? I was like, family, because I spend all my money on our kids. <laughs> I was like, praise God for that. And groceries. Coffee. <laughs> right? 
and books. God knows, I like to read books, so that's a core value I have. But, but Jesus wants to talk to you about your money, and the reason why I say that money is a weapon in God's hands is because God uses money as a weapon and as a tool for our growth. Money has the power to grow you like few other things around you. Our money can either enhance us or expose us. Money as a weapon in God's hands can be used to grow us. Because how we steward our money says a lot about our character. And so God uses money. He talks to us about money. He speaks to us about money for the sole purpose of our growth. He's not trying to steal anything away from you guys. He already has it. It was his in the first place. He gave it to you. He's not worried. He's not afraid that he won't get your money. He's not worried about none of that. But he gives it to you because he wants that money to work on your heart to help you learn how to grow and have good character and be submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit because he wants to give you far more than you believe that you want right now. Wow. He just wants to know that when you get it, are you going to use it for the right purpose? Because if you're using what you've got now for the right reasons, he'll give you more. And yeah. right. You guys are not shouting me that on. I get it. I, get, I understand. We're talking about money. But the enemy is tapped in. He is tapped into the understanding of what the potential of our offerings can do. In the book of Acts, whenever people started giving themselves into revival, they were so generous, they were so supernaturally generous that the world, a missions movement, exploded out of the church in Acts and the world heard the gospel. People were giving away their possessions. There was no poor person among them. It said that there was no needy. Nobody was begging. Everybody had ample for what they needed. All the families were fed. Everybody was clothed. Everybody was living. It even said that in the midst of all this given, the apostles, they were preaching the scripture with dunamis power and signs, wonders, and miracles were happening, and thousands of people were getting saved. If you want to talk about revival, if you want to talk about revival, a pillar of revival is generosity. generosity. You cannot have revival without generosity. You can't have revival without evangelism, and you can't have revival without generosity, which is two reasons why the American church does not see more revival. Is that okay for me to say? Because we have to get out of ourselves long enough to share the gospel with somebody, and we have to get out of ourselves long enough to realize that the cash I've got in my pocket can either be used as a wedge to drive me away from God and other people, or can be used as a weapon to plunder hell and to advance the kingdom of Jesus. Money as warfare. Money as warfare. Uh, God gives us money to grow us, but God also gives other people money to grow us. You ever think about that? God loves to give other people the money you want that deserve it less. <laughs> you know why? Because money either enhances us or exposes us. And the very reason you heard about that person getting that money is because he wants to see how you're going to respond. Are you going to complain? 
Are you going to compete? Or are you going to celebrate? Because you have the option to do one of the three. God is happy to bring you your breakthrough. He just wants to know if you're going to celebrate it first and somebody else that deserves it less. You going to celebrate it? Or are you going to compete? So let me, get, let me move on here and, and, and just get to the latter part of the message. When it comes to how, how God grows us, let me give you an exercise. And you can do this later on today if you don't feel comfortable doing it now. But at least for a moment, think about this. We're up here talking about money. And, and, and when you think about your money, I'm not saying the topic of money. I'm not saying money as some general statement. I'm just saying your personal finances. What happens? Do you surrender more to Jesus or do you start closing God off from the conversation? Do you start building walls or do you start opening doors? Because there's some, when we think about our finances, there's one of two things that happens. Either we step closer to the Lord and we're more open and more, more ready to hear him talk or we step back and we start closing doors and say, God, you know, talk to me about anything but that. Can we just discuss something else? I don't want to hear a message on giving. I don't want to read scriptures on generosity. I don't want to take responsibility for the things that I've heard. Let me discontinue this conversation and block you off because I don't want to be responsible for that. But then we come to church and we sing, I surrender all. <laughs> I surrender all. <laughs> Did you guys like that? It was pretty good. You guys... And the Lord's like, okay, surrender some money. Not that, God. Uh, <laughs> I'll surrender something else. Talk to me about something I don't like as much. I'll give away some of those clothes I don't wear anymore. (laughs) Then I'll post it on Facebook so that everybody knows I'm generous. (laughs) Hey, guys, look, it's not a seed unless it hurts. It's not a seed till it stings a little bit. It's not a seed until you have to say in faith, by faith I give, by faith I sow, by faith that God, if you don't come through for me, I don't know how I'm going to (laughs) pay this bill coming up, man. And I'm not talking about being irresponsible. I'm talking about being obedient. I'm talking about being obedient. There was one time I needed to raise $8,000 in 30 days. You know how much money I had? 300 bucks. <laughs> That's pretty discouraging. And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, I said, well, I ain't going to be able to go. I was going on a, a mission trip. I said, I ain't going to be able to go, God. He said, well, if you don't have enough to go, take what you got and sow. So I went to the bank. I, I got the ATM. I got 300 bucks out. And I know we, we don't really do this here, but I told you, I grew up Pentecostal. They do that. I brought the money up to the altar, and I put it down, in the, and I put the 300 bucks down, and I said, God, that's all the money I have. This is it. That's all I got. And even that day, people started handing me money. That week, more people started handing me money. Can I tell you guys, I, the Lord brought so much money to me in 
two weeks that I not only paid for my trip, I paid for my brothers as well. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, uh, Matthew, Matthew 6 and 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How, how many of you guys have heard this verse quoted before? Most people misquote it actually because they say, well, where your money is, there your heart, or excuse me, where your heart is, there your money will be also. Because we kind of believe that wherever our heart goes, our money will follow. But Jesus said that's not actually the case. It's actually the reverse. It's wherever your money goes, your heart follows. So whatever you invest your money in, your heart will be attached to. This is why when you don't like somebody, the best thing you can do is bless them with an offering. (laughs) So make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. So... That when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? He's telling us how to take mammon, which is what people put their trust in instead of Jesus. It's the money that people put their trust in instead of Christ. He's telling us, take the mammon or money that's not been submitted to God and invest it into eternity. What is eternal? People. That's what eternal. That's what's eternal. It's people. The human soul is eternal. And he says that when you use the wealth of this world to win souls, that when you die, the people that get saved as a result will greet you in heaven. You guys want me to read that part? Then, if then you have not been faithful, oh, hold on, go back, go back, go back, go back. Not the right one. Finding it. Yes. So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Everybody say heaven. So what, what, is, what is God telling us? He's telling us that when we take money and use it to bring people to Jesus, they will welcome us into heaven when we die. You guys like that? Okay, well, we got to close. But I want to tell you one more story. And I, this is my way of showing you I'm going to close because I, I detach myself from my notes and it helps you feel safe. And so... We're all about, we're going to create a safe place here, you know. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. Can I tell you a quick story and then we do one, one song of worship? I know we're over time. I'm really sorry about that. Are we? Right on time. Great. Um, it's kind of one of those sorry, not sorry deals, you know. I don't have anywhere better to be. <laughs> Everybody's got food on the stove and not clapping. They're like, hurry up, man. I'm a millennial. I just bought an Instant Pot. <laughs> Got my slow cooker going, man. Um, no, can I tell you guys a quick story as we close? Let me do a song of worship. Hey, so a lot of you guys don't know my story. I used to be a missionary to India. And during the time I was a missionary there, we distributed about a quarter million dollars to the poor. Now, I had no clue what I was doing. I was 24 when I started the whole thing. And God just blessed it financially. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And we used to do these things called uh, uh, parties for untouchables. And I I don't know if you guys know what untouchable people, uh, what that means. But untouchable people are Dali uh, people. It's the lowest caste system in India. And so they live on less than than, than $2 a day. uh, Some of them less than a dollar a day. And so we used to go and do these parties there. And so we would get uh, chicken curry and mangoes. And we'd set up a sound system. And then we'd just have a party. And then we'd feed everybody. And then we'd dance. 
and then I would preach. But I'm pretty sure my translator did not actually translate my sermon. I think he actually made his own message. Because I'd be like, Jesus loves you. And he'd go on for 60 seconds. I'm like, that was Jesus love He's like, it's a different language. It's a different language, brother. Yeah, he was revising, making it a little better. Um, and and uh, these little kids, man, they come through the line and, and, and they put me... They put me on the rice and, and the curry, and, and you know I'm 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 scooping in, and then some of the people say, "Brother, stop giving the three-year-olds such large portions," because I just give them so much chicken, you know, like what you wish they'd do when you went to Chick uh, when you went to Chipotle. They need this message. You need to tell them listen to the podcast today. You feel that? Hey, so um. They'd come through. They'd come through. And, and then, you know, I'd give them the chicken. And they'd say, stop giving the three-year-old so much chicken. But see, I, I couldn't help but to remember that Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So I kept thinking, like, how much chicken would you give Jesus? Like, if he came to your house, like, how much chicken would you put on his plate? Would you skimp him and say, man, we got to save some for tomorrow? Or would you just look into the eyes of love and just keep scooping until you knew his heart was satisfied? See, the key to seeing food multiply, which I've seen multiple times, is not looking at the food. It's looking in the eyes of people you're serving. Because the Lord's not limited in love even when you're limited in food. Come on, we could go all day right here. Let's go. <laughs> and so uh, we fed all these people, right? And, and, and then at the end, you know, we were, we were done. And I was just sitting there. I was just thinking. People are real excited. They're happy to be fed, and, and they're, some of them are dancing. And then the men started coming up uh, to me. I was just sitting in this chair, and they started getting down, and they started putting their heads on the ground, and they were they were touching my feet, just trying to honor me a little bit. But I, I noticed that in their mouths, they still had, they had all the food in their mouths, and and they, they 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 couldn't even speak. They were still they just I was almost like they were saving it. And they were just holding the number three. We didn't speak the same language. They were holding number three. And, and, and one of them was talking. I said, what, what are they saying? What are they saying? He said, they haven't eaten in three days. These guys haven't eaten in three days. They're just thanking. They're thanking you guys for the, the Lord to bring you here to preach the gospel and to share the food. They haven't, they haven't eaten in three days. And the Lord spoke to me very clear. He said, you're going to see these guys again. I said, Lord, there's no way. I have no idea how to get back to this village. He said, no, you're going to see these guys again on the streets of heaven because they're going to welcome you whenever you get there and they're going to rejoice with you in Jesus, your salvation, and they're going to thank you, but it's not just going to be them. It's going to be their grandkids and their grandkids, grandkids, and their grandkids, grandkids, and they're going to be able to say, thank you so much for going to a village one night and investing just a few bucks worth of chicken curry, just a few bucks worth of rice and mangoes, just a few bucks worth of speaker rental and equipment to, to have a party so that my great, 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 great granddad got saved in that meeting. And then as a result, uh, I became an evangelist and I saw thousands of people get saved in my lifetime. Tens of thousands of people get saved in my lifetime. See, you never know what you're sowing into when you sow into the kingdom because your gift outlasts you. It outlasts your life. It outlasts your kid's life. It outlasts your, the generations because it's sowing into eternity. It is not temporary. 